the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft. The Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback, well, North Carolina. Hello. It's going it's to be a perfect fit. I'm very happy to be here in Chicago. Yeah, I really enjoy the coaching staff and my time with them, and I just can't wait to get to work. Bears Hour Live with host Lauren Cox and the draft doc Phil Atoshin. Good morning and welcome to Bears Hour Live. We're coming to you on a Saturday morning right before day three of the 2017 NFL Draft. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Draft Dr. Phil. And Phil, we got a we got a special guest on with us this morning to break down what we saw yesterday and Thursday, first two picks in the draft. And then, of course, looking ahead to day three, and the Bears have, what, four picks today to add a couple more uh, potential gems to their roster. So you, you excited? Are you, you're not worn out from two days of the draft yet, are you? I mean, this is what we prepare for. This is what we live for, the draft. I mean, been doing it for 30-something years, loving every minute of it, watching names scroll off and watching the Chicago Bears turn the chapter on a new, it looks like a whole new perspective on where they're going with football. So I'm excited to see where they go here. This is where teams are built, Lauren, and I'm excited about having Brian Perez on the on the show with us now to look back and then look forward. Yeah, let's let's bring Brian in now. Brian, how you doing on uh, on this? I, I don't know if I said Sunday earlier. I'm still I still might be tired, but it's a Saturday morning. If I if I'd said Sunday before, Brian, how you doing on this Saturday morning? I'm doing great, guys. Fired up. Day three, like you said, Phil. This is when championship rosters tend to be built. You know, you, you very rarely do you get a guy like a Jordan Howard come out of the fifth round like we saw last year. But Brian Pace tends to have a pretty good feel for these mid to late round guys. So. I'm expecting him to add a guy or two that could that could really compete for a starting job at some point today. Well, before we look ahead to day three, Brian, I want to take you back to Thursday night. You know, we we went live after the pick, and I know we kind of slowly built our reaction as we went. And as you start to look back and and look objectively at the trade up for Mitch Trubisky, the the one spot and the actual selection of Trubisky. I know we were all kind of blown away. I think I don't know if there was anyone that saw that coming. Maybe a couple people here and there. But not not too many people saw a trade up for Mitch Trubisky, and you've had some time to sit and reflect on it. So I, I want to start there with you. What, what are your thoughts on the trade? What are your thoughts on the new Chicago Bears quarterback? Well, you know, going into draft night, I, I was pretty sold. That at least my gut instinct was that Chicago was going to take a quarterback in the first round. I know the national narrative was all about you know the Solomon Thomas or Jamal Adams or one of these blue chip defensive players, but. If you go back to what Ryan Pace said in the end of your press conference and when he basically promised Bears fans that he was going to get the quarterback situation fixed and, and hopefully fix this offseason, no, no one would say that Mike Lennon was that. that Mike Lennon's not a solution. He may be a piece to the overall puzzle of, of, of getting quarterback ironed out in Chicago, but he certainly was not the final piece. So you had to really assume that he was going to go quarterback either at number three or what more likely was maybe trading back down in the top 10, maybe to 8 or 9 or somewhere around there, target a guy like Deshaun Watson. No one really saw him trading up to number 2, especially not for Mitchell Trubisky, especially if you take him at his word this offseason. I mean, we were down at the Senior Bowl, Lauren, when Pace was talking about what he values in a quarterback, and one of them was, you know, experience, the quarterback's ability to elevate a program 
during his time, uh, you know, on campus. And while Trubisky is obviously a gifted passer, he, he doesn't check those boxes in what Pace outlined as being important quarterback traits, uh, at least for, you know, projecting a guy to the next level. So uh, he shocked everyone. And, and that may just be a credit to Ryan Pace playing the draft masterfully. If he knew that Mitch Trubisky was his guy and he knew all along that that was his guy, he put up a lot of smoke and mirrors and kept people off the trail regarding his interest in Trubisky. So the trade, the thing that was the most frustrating to me was the reaction nationally to what the Bears gave up for the number two pick. I mean, let's get real here, people. They gave up two third-round picks. A few picks later, Kansas City Chiefs gave up a first-rounder in 2018. A few picks after that, the Houston Texans gave up a first-round pick in 2018. Nobody says anything about those teams moving up to get a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who everybody in football knows is not ready to play right now. And the Texans moved up to get this Sean Watson. I credit them for that move. I think Watson is the best, was my top quarterback in this class. But nobody's criticizing either one of those franchises to move 10, 12, 15 spots and give up a first-rounder. The Bears moved one spot gave up two third-rounders in the process, and everybody's making it seem like they gave up a King's ransom for uh, for Trubisky. I don't see it that way, and I put out a post yesterday on Bears Wire. Phil, I know you had a chance to take a look at it. Go back, Bears fans, to the last seven years of the third and fourth-round picks that the Chicago Bears have added in the NFL draft. And I understand that each draft is its own entity, and each class is its own class, and you never know what kind of talent you'll get from year to year. But look back at the last seven years, which is a pretty big sample size of third and fourth-round picks, and you tell me that that's one Chicago Bears was added in any one of the third or fourth round picks over a seven-year span that you wouldn't be willing to jump immediately if you had the opportunity to land a franchise quarterback. And at the end of the day, that's what Ryan Pace did. He dealt those kinds of assets for the ability to get a franchise quarterback. I credit him. I will credit him today, tomorrow, five years from now, even if Trubisky is the worst quarterback to join the NFL since Mark Sanchez. Uh, I will I will still credit him for the guts and courage it took to make the moves. We'll just have to see if he made the right call with Trubisky. You know, uh, I, I don't mean to take up all the time here, but you guys know me. I'm very well with uh, Trubisky is, uh, you know, he came into the draft with, you know, everybody said the most talented passer in the draft. All of a sudden, the Bears take him at number two. And there's questions around the pick. You know, I think uh, at the end of the day, the pick and whether the trade was a good one. We'll find out on the field. It might be not be until 2018, but uh, at least Bears fans have hope. And when I say every year around draft time, it's the best thing the draft does for fans is give them hope. And for a team that has had um, a team that has had very little to be excited about, very little hope to get to, to come up in the last four or five years, you know, Mr. Trubisky represents you know a new era, a new dawn in Chicago. And I think all Bears fans should appreciate the the aggressive approach that Ryan Pace took. And look. One last thing about this. You started me off with a, with a whole moon of a question, man. I can talk for 45 minutes on it. Uh, <laughs> you look at what he did yesterday in the second round. He moved back a few spots, and he landed another fourth-round pick. And nobody's there's the national media talking about Ryan Pace recouping that fourth-round pick that he gave to San Francisco. Nobody's talking about that move that he made. And look at last year, for example. Let's just take the most recent draft as an example. First-round pick last year, Leonard Floyd, all of those Bears fans to degree. Floyd, if he can stay healthy, is going to be a special pass rusher in the NFL. Second round last year, Ryan Pace moves around the draft board, picks up a couple extra picks, adds a guy like Cody Whitehair, who at the time, everyone said, you know, we don't understand what, what's the point of this pick. They already have a guy like Matt Slauson, Kyle Long. These guys are, are, are set as starters. Cody Whitehair seems a little bit superfluous there at guard. But 
couple days after the draft, Wilson's gone. Barassi gets hurt in training camp. Cody Whitehair is one of the best rookies in the NFL last year. Third round, who does pass bring in? Jonathan Bullard. Who's the least productive rookie on the Chicago Bears last year? Jonathan Bullard. That same third round pick that the Bears had to give up to move up to get Trubisky. If you look at the entire draft class last year, who was the one player that was pretty much disposable out of that entire class, it was the guy that came via the third round. The Bears fans have to understand mm-hmm. that Ryan Pace made a very calculated move, you know, smart move, and I think he made the right move. Well, you brought up, I mean, the national narrative was one, especially with you and myself being out of the Midwest area because apparently the local media were applauding it, but Lauren and I talked about it. <laughs> if you have found your quarterback, the most important position in all of sport, it's it's that clear. I mean, I don't know why it isn't that clear to Bear fandom or the national narrative that has taken its course and tried to trash Brian Pace. Brian, you did an excellent job recognizing the guy maneuvered to get up to get his guy with the understanding that at the top of the second round, we're going to manipulate again and get recoup what we gave up. So therefore, not only did he get his guy, and that's all we asked. That was my fourth-ranked quarterback. Needless to say, the need was quarterback. You're moving on from Jay Cutler. You, let's be honest. The guy with the highest ceiling might have been Mahomes, but Tr- Mitchell Trubisky is right there behind him. Strong arm, athlete. The the knock on the kid is the limited amount of reps. Uh, Shane Marsaw put it into perspective tremendously. He did still play in 30 games. He's come in. He's come in off the bench and thrown touchdown passes at the time. So we all know the politics in sport, whether it be at the college level, even on the NFL level, a higher draft pick gets more of an opportunity than a seventh round pick. That stuff happens all the time. When you look at the kid's tape and you look at it, especially now with refreshed eyes, with Ryan Pace's decision to find a franchise passer, I think his concern was another team moving up to get that player. They can boo-hoo that and ballyhoo that. None of them knew Ryan Pace was doing it, but now all of a sudden they all know. No, I think it's just ridiculous that there is this bias against the Bears and especially with a team that was moving on from a polarizing quarterback to then go up and get their guy with a new dawn and a new day at the most important position in football. I think you go and get your guy, and I think you saw it in the film room, and if you haven't seen the intro for Brian Perez, you can hear Ryan Pace lead in. They were all in consensus in the thing, in the war room. The head scout, their their the college director, Dow Loggins himself, all had this guy as their number one quarterback. They weren't drafting best player available at the top. They were drafting the best player available of their need, and they've had this decision made for a long time, apparently. And you got to applaud, applaud a guy finally doing what no GM has done, is take a quarterback high and, and say this is the man now. And I really respect that. I appreciate what you're saying here. And I really am happy today that the, my, my Chicago Bears now have a hope, as you said, and a future with a guy that they're going to embrace. And you see what they did in the second round, taking a big tight end to go along with your big quarterback. And, and I think that's a statement 
to a fan base that lives off 85, lives off defense all the time. Now we're putting a priority and a penchant towards Jordan Howard and the offensive side of the football, Lauren. I think that this draft isn't even done yet, and I feel the negativity there and the, and the eyebrows are being raised, but I really believe that this is a good thing for this team moving forward. Yeah, you know, I like that you mentioned Jay Cutler and and moving on from the polarizing quarterback. I was thinking about that last night. Like, I I don't think as a I don't think Bears fans are allowed to say both I didn't like Jay Cutler and I wanted him gone, and then also be upset that they went up and traded for Mitch Trubisky. It's like, what what do you want? You know, you have to pick. You have to either pick. A, you want a new quarterback, or did you want the old one? If you can't not want both, this is this is what a lot of Bears fans wanted: the new direction. And a new hope under center, and I wanted to bring back to you. And, mentioned... and Lauren, let me just, let me just let me just let me just jump in real quick, Lauren, before you go for it. Next, I'm sure a brilliant question. <laughs> the, the thing I don't, the thing I don't, the, the thing that I don't, you know, it, it totally caught me off guard here. Is like, wasn't Mitch Trubisky considered the consensus top quarterback in this draft just 72 hours ago? Mitch Trubisky was considered the guy that teams were going to trade up for. The 49ers might take it number two. The Browns, just a few hours before the draft, were having a debate whether it was Trubisky or, or, or Garrett. Trubisky was the guy, basically since December, that was viewed as the player that fit the franchise quarterback prototype the most out of everyone in this class. I actually got, you know, who one of my very good contacts is in the NFL, very high-ranking decision-maker for an NFC team. I was out to lunch with him. Last Sunday, he said, bar none, hands down, Mitch Trubisky is the best quarterback in this class. Now, that's one out of 32 teams. But obviously, Ryan Pace and the Bears felt the same way. The Browns obviously felt the same way. And several teams, I'm sure, later in the first round would have felt the same way as well. So the Bears moved up, not just to get a quarterback, but to get the best quarterback in this class. Now, our opinions might differ, right? So I like Watson. I think you were a Watson guy. There was teams that were uh, an analyst that were over, um, all over the map. But inside the NFL, in the NFL circle, and it doesn't mean they're right, but in the NFL circle, Mitch Trubisky was the top quarterback in this draft. Ryan Pace moved up not just to get a guy. He moved up to get the best quarterback in the draft. You know, when the Eagles did it last year for Carson Wentz, Carson wasn't a national champion quarterback in Alabama. Carson Wentz wasn't a guy who had the pedigree that you could say is worth moving up the way they did for the number two pick and draft him. But mm-hmm. there was no backlash when the Eagles traded up to get Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz proved their confidence and, and, and estimate of his talent was worth that move. So I think Trubisky, I think it's the Bears. I think they only moved up one spot, so everybody thinks it's ridiculous that they gave up a couple of draft picks. P.S. Third and fourth rounders sometimes wash out of the league before they even make it to their second contract. So let's be realistic about what they gave up here. But um, you know, they this is what frustrates me the most. Now, how come Trubisky is now? Oh wow, they gave up so much for a guy with no experience. But 72 hours ago, he was the guy that was the most likely to be a franchise quarterback in the draft. It, it, you know, like you said, Lauren, it's kind of like you can't have it both ways. Yeah. The analysts can't say that Trubisky, you know, last week was the top quarterback, and this week the Bears gave up too much more. But do you know what, Brian? That's what they're doing. And let's be honest, the educated fan that follows Bears Hour Live and ourselves and Bears Wire, the Bears fan that's willing to listen. I understand you have an opinion. We all do. But what Brian's saying really needs to be emphasized because this was out there. This isn't a flip-flopper at Bear Report. This is reality here that the narrative was 
the Browns were deciding between Trubisky and Garrett. And, you know, uh, Gruden comes flying in. Well, I'm not going to take it. You know, Gruden has had his lot of misses in his day, too. So let's be honest. No one's perfect. This is if it was a perfect world, especially at this position, there'd be 27 elite quarterbacks. And the, the rest of us would be looking for for the next good quarterback. It's not like that. There's no exact science. So when people get swayed by a, a media narrative, which I believe it is, because you're 100 percent right, 72 hours ago, Mitchell Trubisky was in conversations to not only be the first player picked, but teams like the Jets, I know for a fact, Buffalo, I know for a fact, Arizona Cardinals all had him number one and were willing to trade up for him. Brian Perez bringing the heat, getting me fired up because we didn't give up a first round pick to get this guy. I forget what the Eagles gave up to move up and get Wentz. But really, ultimately, let me ask you, this, you recouped it. You recouped it. And let me ask you this, Phil. Would you rather be a Bears fan this morning, waking up with Mitchell Trubisky as your quarterback of the future, or a 49ers fan this morning, and your team just spent a third-round pick on Bether from Iowa? I mean, that kid's <laughs> well, going to watch out of the league before he makes the second contract. Lauren so, hey, Cox John Lynch, had a great he, tweet. He gets applauded, he gets, he gets applauded for this deal. He makes Ryan Pace on all this ground. He moved down. He picked up all these picks. Yeah, well, he used one of these magic third rounds, not necessarily when he got from the Bears, but these third round picks that are so important to everybody saying the Bears never should have given up. John Lynch used one of those third round picks, again, not from the Bears, but just from the round in general, and took a quarterback who will never start a game in the NFL and may not make it to a second contract, in my opinion versus the Bears, who gave up that kind of asset to take a quarterback who is a consensus prototype franchise quarterback prospect. Now, when guys get to the league, their head could check out of the game. The game could be too fast for them. You know, some of the most surefire Ryan Leaf-type prospects wash out of the league for, for purposes of today, draft, we can you know right now before the bullets fly. There's no comparison. So as a Bears fan, as a Bears analyst, as a guy from this side of the aisle, Give me no third-round pick and Mitchell Trubisky over Solomon Thomas and Bether 10 out of 10 times, especially when you need a quarterback as desperately as the Bears do. I absolutely agree with you, Lauren. Let's move it on to the, the second pick because, again, and Ryan Pace is, is really raising eyebrows. But to me, and I'll just speak upon it real quick, and I'll let you guys jump in here on this football player, is – the quotes that came out of the decision based on pick number 45. Let's start it from the beginning at the top. He recoups some of the assets he had given up to get his starting franchise quarterback. Well, not starting per se. We could talk about that later because that was the only thing I had an issue with Pace saying because I'm all about coaching and competition. I don't care if it's wink, wink or politics. I just felt like it just needed to be set. No, he comes in here. He competes. If Glennon's worth his his 14 million or whatever, he's stepping up to the challenge and no feelings are hurt. This is a business and, it, and it's all about winning. So let me get that. 140 characters couldn't do that for me. So let me get that off the table of why I was a little upset with pace, not with the decision to take Trubisky. But here he is coming back, and he's giving you the quotes of this big tight end, six foot six and an eighth, 
278 pounds out of Ashland, a Division II college. I'm telling you, looking at the tape of this football player, I know Daniel Jeremiah used Eric Green with this player, and I think it's a great comp because I had a lot of experience with that football player playing with my uncle down at Liberty when he was the head coach there. This guy was an athletic freak phenom at a height weight measure that we call it the human condition. There's not many of these guys walking around planet Earth. So if he's able to move and get over the top of linebackers, I could see them working this kid out, talking to him as a football player, and, and really falling in love with the ceiling of this player and, and Pace going out and saying, no, he's going to compete to play now. And he was our number one rated player on our board at the time, having conviction like he did with Trubisky to get this football player to help your offense. Now you got a 279 pound, 78 pound move tight end who could get down the field and open up the run game and the passing game, let's face it, where Glennon really could do a lot of damage, and you add that with Sims, who's an inline guy and could do similar things. He's a sneaky, better-than-good athlete as well. I really like this pick. I really do. And looking at the tape, I, I think it's a shot at the fences, and I really believe that this team really identified the offensive side of the football needed to improve. Brian, had you watched much of Adam Shaheen going into the draft, and, and how much do you know about him now? I watched enough to be familiar with him before the pick, and then obviously after the pick, I, I, I tried to absorb as much tape as I could on him. And what I would say is this. The first player that kind of jumps to my mind when I watch him, ironically, is Martellus Bennett, if we want to use a more common day and modern era. Eric Green, so that's like our wheelhouse. Man, I remember Eric Green like it was yesterday, but for those of you who may not remember Eric Green playing, it's kind of like a Martellus Bennett from just that big – more athletic than you realize player who's got soft hands can go up from high point the ball in, in terms of catches. And I think he's a player that, you know, one thing, again, when you talk about giving Ryan Pace credit with this draft, clearly he is sticking to his board and clearly this guy has balls. He is not afraid to take a player if he believes that player has it and that that player is going to help the club. A Division two prospect, I'm always a little concerned about what you see on tape from a smaller school, a smaller level, a lower level of competition. I have a, a pretty long history of experience and and kind of scouting these type of players, players from Division Two FCS programs. And when you watch uh, Shaheen's tape and you see him running away from these defensive backs and linebackers and safeties, I mean, what you got to remember, Bears fans, is that none of those guys that he's playing against has NFL speed, athletic ability, or quickness. And when you see what he ran at the combine. He ran, I think, a 4.79. What he looked like on tape was he was running a 4.5 or a 4.49. So it puts in perspective the fact that these guys are much slower on that level of competition, but that does not negate his natural ability. And like you said, Phil, his, you know, his just the physical makeup. I mean, you don't find these guys, you know, the old adage, these guys don't grow on trees. And he does not just grow. The guys like Shine does not uh, uh, grow on trees. He's going to be a player that I think – we could pretty much end the Zach Miller tenure in Chicago, much like you saw last year, the second-round pick and the impact it had on the roster shortly after the draft when Cody Whitehair was drafted. And he was a guy that was just an excess piece, at least at the time. You know, the Bears immediately moved on from Slauson shortly thereafter. I think with the Bears, 
having three viable tight ends, Zach Miller looks like the odd man out. They committed to Deion Sims. They picked this guy in the second round yesterday. He's not going anywhere. Zach Miller, can you depend on him? Is he a reliable player? He's a good player when he's on the field, but is he reliable? Is he available? I mean, he's a harmless cut at this point. You could keep him around, of course. There's no harm in keeping him around, but I think they're going to want to get these big-body pass catchers on the field. Like you said, Phil, for Mike Lennon, it fits his wheelhouse uh, in, in terms of, of his uh, where he wins as a passer. And, yeah, down the road with Mitchell Trubisky, if you can have two, you know, the, a quarterback's best friend is an athletic, big-body tight end that can bail him out when all else fails. And I think that's exactly what this kid's going to be able to do on the next level. I think he's going to be able to make an immediate impact. And, look, you don't draft a guy in the second round, especially after drafting a guy in the first round that you're projecting into 2018. You're not going to do the same in the second round. You're not going to have two guys in your first two picks that you don't expect to contribute until 2018. This kid's going to come in with a chance to start right away, and he'll probably be the second tight end and two tight end sets with the evening on him. Wow, bold, bold there, Brian, that Zach Miller. I mean, we, we talked yesterday about maybe down the line a little bit, Zach Miller maybe a, a training camp cut, a 53-man roster cut, especially if he can't stay healthy. But it's a good point that they could just make the move now and roll with Sims and Shaheen. and that would be, that'd be quite a surprise for Bears fans. It's not something we would expect a week ago even to see a guy like Zach Miller on the way out. But it's 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 interesting well, you know, that Lauren, you, one of the things, one of the things you – yeah, one of the things you said, Phil, a while ago, which I have, I have bookmarked, and I believe it is a very good philosophy or, or theory to follow when you are trying to get an idea of what the roster composition is ultimately going to be like when, when opening day rolls around. Follow the money. Follow mm-hmm. the money. The money's in Deion Sims. That's where the money is in the position right now. And the asset right. was invested in Shaheen in the second round. That is as good as a big contract. When you give a guy, when you take a kid in the second round, you're saying you are our future at this position. Where does that leave Zach Miller? You know, what is he got? One year left. How much is on his, on his deal, Lauren? You're, you're our capologist here. What has he got? Like five million, two and a half. I don't know what his number is for next year, but um, it was like two and a half. Cap friendly cut. Yeah, two and a half million. I mean, where's the money at? The money is in Deion Sims and the second rounder. I don't think Zach Miller makes the opening day roster, guys. Yeah. He's he's currently set to count two point three million against the cap. I wonder if Adam Shaheen's going to make more money than him in year one as a rookie with that second round contract. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if Zach Miller's the third highest paid tight end on this team, and that's that's following the money. That's that's an easy cut for sure. You also have Daniel Brown on the roster who showcased yep. an ability to move the chains last year. Let's face it, he came in from Baltimore. They had a they had a high grade on this football player. They liked him as an undrafted free agent. He ended up signing with Baltimore. They cut him, and the Bears picked him up. This kid actually showcased a lot of talent to be able to move in there. So now, I mean, Pace really expressed, went out of his way, in fact, to express how much he likes his tight end room right now, how much he likes the young the young talent there, emphasizing young. So I think Brian's on to something here. The frustration with John Fox tends to be with guys that have owies. If Zach Miller is hurt, you can't be relying on it. You can't make the club in the tub. We always say that. I think it's a great point there. And also really want to say McCole Pruitt, you know, could be that fullback, uh, H-back role too. So really, you've done a 180 in how the tight end room looks in 2017 right now. And I'm happy about that. I think you said it best, Ryan. I've tweeted that out. What's a young quarterback's best friend? Big tight end. 
There's none bigger than Ashland's uh, Shaheen coming into Chicago. And, and ultimately, the fact that he put his finger on it and stamp on it, Mr. Ryan Pace, that is, and said, this was our guy. And we went and we took him. We traded down. We got our assets back. We essentially traded up now for a third-round pick next year. That's what we did to get a franchise quarterback, and they they identified the best player on their board in round two. So and, he, and, here's, and here's another philosophy. Here's another philosophy I have too. Heading out, coming out of these first two rounds, Warren, you and I discussed it briefly last night. I think what we're seeing here in this year's draft is evidence of a firm commitment by ownership to Ryan Pace to get through at least a second coach in Chicago. I don't think Ryan Pace yes. is drafting the way he's drafting this year if he felt like his job was on the line. You're not taking a 2018 quarterback when you're coming off of back-to-back losing seasons and the critical year three where usually heads roll. You know, you're not going to do that. You're not going to take a Division two tight end who is all, all upside and has, you know, the leap in competition, that the, the jump from D2 to the NFL is as massive as it gets you're not going to roll the dice and put your neck out on the line if you thought your back is against the wall this year. I think he knows. He was told, build your roster. Build your roster how you want. If John Fox shows he can win with your players, John Fox, you decide. Keep them around. If John Fox can't win with your players, get somebody here who can. I don't think Ryan Pace is going anywhere. And I think what we're seeing here is almost like what happened in Oakland with Reggie McKenzie. His ability to draft the players that he wanted to bring into Oakland. Some of those picks were questionable at the time, and look what happened in Oakland. He has turned that program into one of the best in the AFC. I think if Ryan Pace has that commitment and he can be a ballsy GM because he knows his job is not on the line, that is when winning programs are built, when you're not playing the safe card, when you're not being conservative. You're going to put your neck on the line. You're going to get that quarterback because you know that's in the best interest of this franchise. Three to five years, you've been told, more likely than not, you're going to be here to see that through. Whether John Fox is here or not is irrelevant. It's about Ryan Pace making picks to build a roster that he knows eventually will pay dividends, whether it's with the current coaching staff or a second one that he'll have the opportunity to choose that head coach. So I think what we're also seeing here, if you want to read the tea leaves of the 2017 NFL draft, Ryan Pace is not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, and also, there's smoke, there's fire. They could try to cover up that fire with leaves. It's the smoke's just going to get heavier. And the reality is John Fox might not even have known that they were taking Mitchell Trubisky number one. And I believe that because I think if John Fox had his way, it would be Solomon Thomas. Now, let's well, be honest. And that video you That's, talked I about. That would have been their pick. They would have stayed and there. Lauren, Lauren, yeah. Lauren was like the ultimate yeah. private investigator yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Lord. And says, "Tell me." He goes, "Tell me what's missing from this video." I, like challenged me. It was like it was, I felt like I was like back in law school or something. Like, oh, like, oh well, sorry to be the curse. I was like, oh man, I got I got to figure out what what my professor here is saying about what's missing here. And you know, it was an amazing find. And Lauren, I don't know if you're the one who originally found it or you just sent that to me because someone else did. But uh, I'm no, gonna Lauren, the curse, Lauren, you because Lauren, you are an award-winning journalist, my friend. <laughs> so, so I when I when I I saw that video and I'm like, oh, you know what? This is incredible. That is not a something to overlook. Ryan Pace absolutely everybody in that room who was in line with with, with Mitchell Trubisky 
and the head coach was not named. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I, you just forget that. You don't name area scouts and 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 scouting department. Offensive and, coordinator. And offensive. You, you name the guy on the coaching staff, and you don't name John Fox. I mean, clearly, I think, like you said, Phil, where there's smoke, there's fire. Ryan Pace is being politically correct. And you know what? Like you also said, Lauren, in another message or on Twitter, you know, John Fox has no idea that the Panthers were going to draft Jimmy Clausen when they drafted him. John Fox might just be, he might just check out when it comes to quarterbacks. And that is ultimately a, a, a terrible indictment on a head coach when the most important position on the team, you're not intimately involved with those decisions. I, I personally, there's no way that Chris Mortensen, I think it was Mortensen who reported that, that guy's never wrong. I mean, so for people to call out Chris Mortensen, no, it's a false report. You know, I can tell probably not even on one hand how many times Chris Mortensen's information has proven to be incorrect. So, you know, if I'm going to put my money on an NFL insider, if it's not Adam Schefter, it's Chris Mortensen. I believe he's the guy that reported it. So, yeah. you know, I, I think John Fox is, is, you know, like the show The Walking Dead. I think it's just a matter of time. I think one quick point before we go into today because i know fans want to hear what our thoughts are and you know we've expressed a lot of that on twitter too but i think this is really important talk guys nine wins 23 losses since john fox has been here we all talked about last year having enough talent to win on the football field the whole jake cutler no brian we're going with brian hoyer gives us the best chance that whole drama the losing all of that taste in your mouth we expected a coaching firing and then moving on and taking your quarterback now what do you say to those fans brian that are like well now they're taking their quarterback but you still got this head coach and i see a lot of that do you trust this staff to develop this quarterback that's the big question i'm getting well you know look Mike Lennon's the bridge quarterback. I think John Fox is the bridge coach. To be honest with you. I think coaches serve the same role sometimes. I don't think there's much of a difference there. I think somebody's got to take the bullets before this team is ready to really take that next step. They're not ready to take the next step of Mitchell Trubisky, most likely, in year one. That will probably come maybe by midseason if the team's doing poorly. Mitchell Trubisky makes them start. Maybe they're not winning games, but he's playing winning football at quarterback. The team finishes 4-12, and 12, five. And 11, you now have a justifiable reason to fire John Fox and hire that next quarterback guru, that Kyle Shanahan type of coaching prop, uh, candidate for next season to, to take over the Mitchell Trubisky era. I think what happens a lot of times is fans get too caught up in, in uh, the fact that a coach maybe hasn't been terminated and then suddenly they're making a youth movement in a year that seems so critically important for the coach to keep his job. Again, go back to the – try to pick up the clues and what they mean. I think what this means is Ryan Pace knows that he has been given the green light to do whatever's necessary to build a winning program for the future in Chicago. And that, that by the time that winning program is ready to take off, it just might not include John Fox as head coach. And, and look, like you said, Phil, last year, especially in the early part of the season, the failure to make halftime adjustments, the failure to, to come out of the locker room ready to play a competitive second half was the ultimate indictment on John Fox, Dow Lock, and the rest of the coaching staff. Maybe they have a turnaround this year. Maybe John Fox regains some of that fountain of youth that he had in Carolina and Denver, and we see a, a totally different product on the field. It's so great. We'll, we'll be thrilled for that. But at the end of the day, if it's not going to happen, okay, keep this GM in place, keep building around this young quarterback, and the next young coordinator candidate that comes up through the ranks, 
he'll be the guy that can take it hopefully to the next level. And if he can't, then everybody's gone. And if Ryan Pace is making all these bold moves in the draft and adding all these young guys like, you know, Marcus Wheaton, Kendall Wright, Eon Sims, you know, making these decisions that may not be popular and splash decisions in free agency, then coming back in the draft and making other maybe potentially questionable decisions, if he if he's proven to be wrong on all of these decisions, he'll be gone in a couple years too. But give Ryan Pace a chance to have his vision come through, even if it involves John Fox. Yeah, and I think that's a great point about not the future of the coaching staff, and and maybe it's I don't know, it's not it's not discouraging per se, but. It, it it can be a little bit uneasy that you're kind of like okay well let's let's wait and see how how it goes with this coaching staff but I know we, we you have to get going in a little bit here so I want to move on to today's draft and day three the Bears have two fourth round picks a fifth and a sixth rounder and I guess I want to start Brian who, who are some guys still on the board that would be a dream for you if they if they were still there when the Bears picked twice in the fourth round guys that would be steals in your eyes at this point in the draft. You know, guys, I think one of the things that we had, you know, the narrative around this draft coming into it was that how deep it was. It's just a, such a talented draft. And I think that narrative was accurate when you got through maybe the first 50 picks or so. But now we're kind of looking at a bunch of guys who are similarly clustered in terms of their talent and projection moving forward. But I would say the Bears need to still – they need to turn their attention to the defense at some point, especially the secondary. I think the fact that Desmond King is still on the board is crazy. Yes. Uh, I thought he would have definitely That's my been drafted guy. in the third round. Yeah, I think he would have definitely gone in the third round. I think his problem is, from all accounts, that he's been telling teams he wants to play corner, wants to play corner, and teams have been a little turned off by that because he's going to be a safety in the NFL. And look, the Bears could use another young safety to put alongside Quentin Demp. So I think Desmond King would make a lot of sense. You also got to look at wide receiver. Um, you know, the loss of Alshon Jeffrey, they lost a lot of size and length at the position. They picked up the speedy guys. I know a lot of people are going to want Ryan Switzer. I think I saw that on Twitter especially with the, with the Trubisky connection. But Josh Reynolds from Texas A&M would seem to make a lot of sense for the Bears here in the fourth round. He's pulled off. He's rangy. He's got good uh, catch radius. He can make plays downfield. He's a little skinny. He's got to put on a little bit of weight. But he's a player with a lot of upside who can fill some of that lacking size that the Bears lost in free agency through Dark Jeffrey's departure. And then if you want to stick control, go back to the defensive side of the ball, uh, a couple intriguing, you know, edge players or defensive linemen. Carl Lawson from Auburn still on the board. Jaleel Johnson from Iowa, who won number down the senior bowl. He had a really good week. I don't know if he necessarily fits the Bears system. He looks more like a three tech and a four three scheme, but he's a talented player. You know, he's one of those guys that maybe you just draft him and hope he can find his way onto the field in Fangio's defense. But there's a couple of intriguing guys. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get my hopes up for a Jordan Howard type steal in day three. But these guys, you know, he's got to draft for need today and pick up, you know, kind of fill some of these roster holes over the next couple of picks. Phil, what about a guy like uh, Carl Lawson on the edge? Do you think do you think they could you could see them go pass rusher on day three early on here, Phil? I mean, it would be great if they did. I think they have a definite lead need there. I think Lawson, you know, squatty body, similar to Pernell McPhee type of energy on the football field. That would be a way you could go. I, I think Brian is, you know, onto something there. I mean, for me, the Desmond King thing is is real. That would be my focus, A number one. I have this guy in my top 50 players in the whole draft. That's how highly I think of this football player. And, you know, and, and sometimes players need a bite of reality when they get into the situation to actually be in camp that a move – 
will be best for their career. I know I say this all the time about Kyle Long and, and using the Tom Coughlin quote, but it's really ultimately in the best interest of the football team to make these players play where they would be best at playing to ultimately help the football team. And Desmond King, to me, is not only a physical tackler, but he is a guy that has a nose for the football. You know, he's not the tallest or the fastest. Neither was Mike Brown. So everyone loves Mike Brown and recognize that I have this kid on par with that. And I think in the fourth round, if you could go up and you're really high here and get that football player and secure him and put him in your secondary and ultimately with the idea of him moving to safety, I really think you come away with a guy that could potentially be something special when it comes to Chicago Bears. Uh, as far as Lawson is concerned, I don't think you can ever have enough pass rushers. I call it 1B to the quarterback. I think getting after the quarterback is the most important thing on the defensive side of the football, thus the value in Leonard Floyd they had. So I could see Lawson being a target. You know, our boy uh, Ekubon. Ebucom, excuse me, from Samson, Samson Ebucom, yeah, from East, uh, what is it, Eastern Washington. Washington. That kid, you know, plays with his hair on fire. You know, that would be a situational type rusher, but there's a need here in Chicago for that kind of football player that has that motor going nonstop. Granted, is he reaching in the fourth round? I don't know what their board is, but I know this kid is a superior athlete, has a tendency to get and disrupt plays, whether it was against big schools like Washington State or in their conference. I don't worry per se about that. What about the man? What about the traits? What about the player on tape? Is he dominant? This football player might have been the most dominant. I think PFF, Lauren, has some huge grades on him as far as disrupting the passer and the passing the passing uh, launch point. So, that's a guy I feel as though you can get in this later rounds here, maybe even the fourth or fifth round, they take a shot on greatness with a guy that can get after the quarterback. You know, I'm a Switzer guy, Brian, just jumping in here, Lauren. <clears throat> I just think you can't overlook a feel that a quarterback has for someone they rely and, and feel comfortable with. On top of that, though, I feel like this football player knows the craft of running the route and getting open. I, I realize the bigger need for the, the lengthy player, but I don't think there's a short. I love Daniel Braverman inside. I think you can't have enough of those players, especially when you're building up your tight end. That, that slot position becomes important. I don't think I feel confident ever with Wheaton playing in the slot. At all, I just think he's a nine-route guy that could take the top off when he's healthy. So getting these slot players, I know Wright, I, I like him on the outside more than the inside. I just don't think he understands the craft like somebody like Switzer does. And that's why I really like that football player. Me and you are step for step on Jalil Johnson. I actually think he could play five technique, Brian. I think he can, because he's such a great technician, he wins with speed quickness rather not speed so if he could set that edge especially with his tremendous technique he is a squatty body and and look what we have on the roster at five technique and you'll see that that's a big hole on this team you know they got that young kid uh robinson harris 
that's going to go down and play there. You lost Cornelius Washington. I'm looking at five techniques today, maybe in the fourth round here, to be a priority pick along with maybe a receiver or safety. Are you giving up on Jonathan Bullard, a defensive end already, Phil? I'm not giving up on him, but like Brian said, uh, he's the one guy that's really shown up on tape for me with a lazy disposition. And when I say that, taking plays off in the NFL is why I didn't really wasn't high on Malik McDowell being your second round pick there with for the Bears because if a guy doesn't love the game of football, it shows up on the field. If you're not running after the play, I, I know Gruden put up some plays of Robert Mathis. I mean, that guy's going 100 miles an hour. It's not all about sacks for him. He's running down the football field on a counter play opposite side and trying to get to the football and make a play. Those guys are, are the reason why you win championships that you go and play in Super Bowls. Those hidden things and those hidden effort is where you make your, your, your dough today. And that's what you got to see here. For me, I'm not giving up on Bullard, but I'm not counting on Bullard to be the answer there when I see on tape a lackluster approach to plays away from him and his effort entirely. So ultimately, I don't think you could have enough. I think it's a need, and I hope Bullard comes up to play. And I love the player coming out, and I love the pick last year. But I think Brian put it in perspective. Third-round pick did basically nothing, was the most disappointing draft pick last year. And we can't just bank on that going forward, Lauren. Yeah, I, I totally guys, agree. Let me, let, me just, let, me just, let me just jump in real quick, Lauren. Yeah. You wanna, if, if Ryan Pace really wants to burn Chicago down, and I mean just in terms of the media, yeah, it wouldn't be a shock if we see what happened many years ago, the same thing that happened many years ago in Washington. When Heath Schuler was the number five pick in the first round, and they wrapped back around in the fourth round and drafted Gus from Rock. You know, there's guys like Josh Dobbs. I think Nate Peterman is still on the board. It wouldn't be a shock to me at all if Ryan Pace doubled up on quarterbacks in this draft. Whoa, because he made it he clear he, he made it clear that that was his number one offseason priority. You take the kid like Mitchell Trubisky in the first round, he fits, he checks every box. But there's still some pretty darn good quarterbacks sitting out there here in the fourth round. And Josh Dobbs, why? I really think has gonna, is going to have a better pro career than he had in college. And Nate Peterman is being compared to that Kirk Cousins type. Look what happened in Washington even more recently. RG3, wrap back around in the fourth round, they take Kirk Cousins. You know what? They didn't take Kirk Cousins. Where would that team be right now? So you could see something like that happen this year, again, with Ryan Pace. I'm not saying you know it's the smart money bet, but I wouldn't be shocked, and I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't mind it. You know what? How many years as Bears fans have we been sitting here saying, quarterback, 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 Jay Cutler <laughs> was the savior, and for better or worse, it just didn't work out. We can't enter another era of Chicago Bears football without a decade-long championship-caliber starter under center. We all hope it's Mitchell Trubisky. You know what? You can hedge your bet by taking another young prospect who is coming into the league as nothing more than a backup is an overplay C. Dak Prescott, who could overplay his draft position and be that pleasant surprise franchise guy moving forward. There would be absolutely no fault at all to Ryan Pace if he took one of these quarterbacks that are still on the board in the fourth round. Because I'm telling you, he probably has a pretty high grade on one of these guys. And if it wasn't for Trubisky being a first-round pick, maybe one of these guys would have been the second or third rounder if they kept that pick. There are all 
that both of them are still on the board here in the fourth round, it wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me if he doubles up on quarterback. You're so, making a great point here, Lauren. <laughs> I'm sorry. i got to put it back on Brian. Are you willing to do a Philatotion move here? Because I believe that's smart football right there. You dedicate – apparently you're dedicating your offseason to improving your offense. Are you willing to take a gamble on a high ceiling football player with a little, little history? None of these guys are choir boys. Let's be honest. You know, a couple tweets I've seen of our starting quarter, our, our franchise future quarterback, kissing titties, so to speak, <laughs> out there, are, are going to come back and be humor, or we're going to use him against him. That's that's the story in Chicago. Would you be willing to take a chance on my boy Chad Kelly of Ole Miss? Well, see, that's a great point, right, Phil? So, look, what is the most important position in the game? Quarterback. If you can come out of any draft in any year with a franchise quarterback, no matter where you get him, it's a great draft. Every other pick in the draft is irrelevant if you got that franchise quarterback. So if the Bears look at this and say, Trubisky, we're going to pay him like he's the guy. We invested in him because he checks every buck. He's the guy that in traditional scouting, he should make it. But how how many times do we see the guys that nobody thinks are going to be the ones that make it end up being the guy? No better example than Tom Brady, last year Dak Prescott. So if these two guys, like like a Kelly, for example, or Dobbs or Peterman, are still staring you in the face in the fourth or fifth round. And you're saying to yourself, the reason why the Bears have not been able to win the Super Bowl since 1985 is because we haven't had a quarterback capable of winning a Super Bowl since 1985. Why not invest two picks in the same draft at getting that done? Whether it's Chad Kelly, Josh Dobbs, Nate Peterman, or any other guy that's still on the board right now, what is the flaw in that? Would you rather him take Deion Bush again, a Deion Bush type player? Would you rather another? Uh, I, I don't know, uh, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson come in? I mean, why not take another quarterback? There is, a, there is just as much a chance that one of these positional players, whether it's a corner or a safety or a defensive lineman, will wash out of the league and never start a game for the Bears as there is a fourth or fifth-round quarterback that pays drafts. But look at the flip side. If one of these position guys ends up being a starter, let's say Desmond King is your starting safety two years from now and is an above-average player, or Josh Dobbs, ends up being your starting quarterback. And it's a very good starting quarterback. What's the better pick? It's a no-brainer. Now, if, if, I were, if I were sitting there, I don't know what I would do if I was in Ryan Pace's chair. He invested in Glenn, kind of that quote-unquote young quarterback. He just drafted Mitchell Trubisky with a controversial national narrative of pick at the number two pick. Does he have the guts to do it again in the fourth or fifth round? I think I can you know, a 30-plus-year Bears fan. Fix the quarterback situation. Look, Phil, Warren, we, none of us had Mitch Trubisky as our top quarterback. We're all going to get on the Trubisky train because that's what Bears fans do. But you know what? We're not 100% sold that he's going to be the guy. So why would any of us question another quarterback coming in in the fourth round at Donald's European? It would make sense. You talk about competition breeds excellence. Like you just said, Phil, don't say it's anybody's job right now. Win it in camp. Win it in the preseason. Josh Dobbs comes in as a fourth-round pick. Hey, Trubisky, prove you are the guy that's the future quarterback and not Josh Dobbs. 
or Josh Dobbs. Prove you should have been the number two pick and not Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. That brings the best out of these players. And at the most important position in the game, where right now the Bears have, in terms of established NFL players, if you want to use that term, only Mike Lennon and Mark Sanchez, get another young arm in there. If it's a fourth, fifth, even sixth-round pick, bring in another guy. It would make total sense. And when you look at who's still left on the board, do any of these guys have a higher upside than Nate Peterman or Josh Dobbs? I don't know if the answer is yes. It's it's certainly uh, an encouraging possibility that I think you make a tough, strong argument for. I think some Bears fans see the draft picks as too much of an opportunity because they, cause they got Jordan Howard and Adrian Amos in the fifth round, Brian. But I, I totally agree that you, you double down on quarterback just because it, it trumps everything. It's the most important position on the field, and you, you and just have to get it right. And here's the thing, too, Lawrence. Adrian Amos was the example of a fifth-round hit after his rookie season. Is he a fifth-round hit anymore? Or is he a guy dangerously close to losing his job? So, I mean, a lot of times these guys that overplay their draft value in year one end up hitting that plateau. That is why they were where they were picked. And then suddenly two, three years later, you're looking for an upgrade. You know, a lot of Bears fans, me included, would have been thrilled with a Jamal Adams pick. That means Adrian Amos would have been sent to the bench. Lose Cooker. Any of these other safeties, if you got Buda Baker in the second round, Adrian Amos, there's great value in the fifth round, suddenly would be a, special, a core special teams player. So, I mean, how many more years as Bears fans do you want to see those guys taken on day three? Prior to this year, we hadn't drafted a quarterback in the first round since Rex Grossman, who, by the way, was the last quarterback to start a Super Bowl for the team. And then when you talk about the investment made in the position, I mean, what was the last guy before this year that they drafted? David Fales? Right, he didn't work out, but you know what? you got to keep swinging at the pitches to hit a home run. So at this point, what player offers more value to a team, more needy of a quarterback, than maybe Josh Dobbs or Nate Peterman? I might be talking myself into this year, guys, that in the fourth round, <laughs> they, need to, they need to go in that direction. How about taking a running back today? I think you look at the depth there. You don't know what you got in Jeremy Langford because either he's hurt or he doesn't run hard. Kadeem Carey, who I love, as you all know, tends to be injured too much. And you got a, a big bully running back that I don't know how was on the bench to start the season, but was now going to get the boatload of game plans on defense to stop him to better, you know, their situation and, and get force uh, Glennon to beat you. Why not get a Samaje Perrin? here in the fourth round to team up with what you have with Jordan Howard. How much does a running back class play into this next round or the fifth round double up? It seems to be a a target zone area for the Chicago Bears to take a running back in the fourth or fifth round. Does it happen again this year? I think that's a good question, and that's a good point. I think Cunningham is signing a Ben Cunningham free agency it was a nice move to complement Jordan Howard's skill set. He's a little bit more of that pass catcher, has a little more quick twitch. Um, and look at Jeremy Langford. He's a perfect example of what we were just talking about. After his rookie season, he was drafted in the fourth round. He made these splash plays his rookie year. Everybody thought, what a steal. He's going to outplay that draft position. He's going to be the heir apparent to Matt Forte. The proof was when I scouted Jeremy Langford and I put his scouting report together, my end analysis of him was a rotational backup running back in the NFL. I gave him a fourth or fifth round grade when he was coming out. He's playing like that now. That's who he is. I think Jeremy Langford could actually be the perfect backup running back. 
Jordan Howard. Making Jeremy Langford the starting running back was, was expecting too much on him. Maybe like making Adrian Amos the full-time starting safety could be expecting a little too much now that they, their NFL game has been totally revealed. I think Langford is a really good backup running back. I don't know if it's necessarily a position of need when you add in Cunningham as uh, uh, you know a, a, that third down back potential that spell Jordan Howard bring a different look to the offense. But look, like you said, I love you, Ryan. I, I, I think that guy is so undervalued right now. Uh, he could be the perfect guy to bring in because he won't lose much in terms of style. He's that he's a bruiser like Howard is, so you don't have to change the game plan all that much. So yes, that's a very strong possibility as well. But when we go back and look at these drafts, the fourth and fifth rounders, Sam Jordan Howard in question whether or not if this is the year about the quarterback, if this is the year of the quarterback, truly the year of the quarterback, forget the Adrian Amoses, forget the Jeremy Langford, forget the Kadeem Carries, forget the Deion Bushes, forget all these guys that we've seen come through the system and get another damn quarterback. Fix it. Get mm-hmm. it right. Get it done. The, the day three of the draft starts in a half hour, Brian, so I, I want to let you go because I know you want to get ready for that. You're, you're going to be a busy guy today. We've got a full <laughs> hour of your time, so... Bren, excellent stuff, as always. It's always a pleasure having you on, and I know we'll get you on again after the draft at some point. Absolutely, guys. This is a lot of fun. An hour feels like 10 minutes, guys. We could talk about this all day long, but we got a whole lot. These are the championship rooms. Well, you, you bring it every time, Brian. Just like you said, you get a, two Italians in a room. You know, it could go on <laughs> for three hours. So... It's fun stuff. I'm excited about today. If you can't feel the energy of Brian Perez today, I, I, I don't think you understand how players get ready for football games. Brian's getting ready for the draft. Lauren and myself are getting ready for the draft. I feel as though this is where you build the foundation of your football teams and build competition up today. I think we've really covered it got a lot of stuff in i know a lot of people want to see some defensive players coming but really ultimately this might be the year of the quarterback year of the offense so far for the chicago bears lauren you, you start to wonder if you're gonna see you know will pay stick to his board and we'll uh take the best player available whether it's offense or defense or is he gonna start to feel some pressure to you know take some defensive positions and and address more needs like he kind of ha- i mean not that he's Perhaps we don't know whether he's deviated from his board in the past, but you start to see, you know, you take the safety, you take the linebacker, you take the running back, you're taking these sort of positions of need more on day three of the draft. And maybe that's just how it played out, but you wonder if he's going to start shifting that way. But we've, we've gone on for a, a good hour of, of Bears Hour Live, Phil. So before we wrap up, give me yep. one player that any round today that you absolutely, the, the Bears must draft in your eyes. Oh, I think it's Desmond King. I really believe that Give me another one. player. <laughs> <laughs> Someone we haven't talked about yet. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give a shout-out to my boy, Jose Cotto, because I had totally forgot about this kid coming in, uh, small school player, wide receiver. Uh, what was his name? I just had his, I just had his name in my head. Uh, Roberts, is it? I'm sorry, Lauren. I wasn't expecting you to put me, but let me pull it up quick. This football player is about six foot three, two hundred eighteen pounds, wide receiver. I totally forgot, and it's draft season, so bear with me. Robert Davis out of Georgia State, kid really shows up on tape. All conference football player, uh, brought to my attention early, 
early in the offseason that this football player is an explosive player. He would fit the dynamics of what we're looking for, a, a kind of building block player to add to the receiver room, outside type football player with deep end speed. That kid could be somebody that I really want to see the Bears go after. Small, Another small school kid, but really the ceiling so high. And this is where scouts make their money, Lauren. This is where the scouting department comes through and gets their picks. This football player, Robert Davis out of Georgia State, 6'3", 219. I would be really happy if the Bears got that football player today. I, I was expecting Jordan Westerkamp from North Nebraska, but uh, <laughs> you, you surprised me with a new name. Yeah, I, I I think Westerkamp would be a great pickup too late in the, draft, in the seventh round. I could see him being a pick, although we don't have a seventh-round pick. Maybe the sixth round you take that football player. Another guy that has the art form of running the route, and when you have those kind of football players and they have excellent hands, those are chain movers and drive continuers, and those guys go on value, and I, I believe that would be a great pickup too. Wester Camp is a great football player, one of my sleepers in this draft, Lauren. Yep, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw out uh, one of our other sleepers, a cornerback Channing Stribling from Michigan, a long a physical corner that I think would be a, yes. one, one of those day three guys that could develop into a starter on the outside maybe a little bit sooner rather than later and exceed that, that draft stock like Brian said. But we, we're going to wrap it up there. We're going to come on live after some of the draft picks. We might not go every pick, especially in the sixth round. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But definitely after the Bears make their fourth round picks, we'll probably go live through that. And then, of course, we'll be back on the air tomorrow at 2 o'clock as we are every Sunday to break down the draft as a whole, look back at the whole class and look ahead sort of to what's next, where where the undrafted free agents are going to come, where where this roster is going to go, and start looking at how maybe even the depth chart could play out. So hopefully you'll join us then. Of course, you can always subscribe to the podcast if you're not going to be able to catch any of the shows. We're on iTunes. We're on Podbean. We're, we're pretty much everywhere that podcasts can be found. You can find Bears Hour Live there. Of course, follow us on Twitter, and we're on Facebook. We do all that, so... We thank you guys for your support, as always, and we want to thank you again for listening to this edition of Bears Hour Live. Come on.